Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I have the pleasure of sharing a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Tanya Hackney, and her winning book is titled Leaving the Safe Harbor, The Risks and Rewards of Raising a Family on a Boat. Tanya graduated with a BA from Middlebury College in 1997 with a major in English and a double minor in French and education. She also taught kindergarten in Atlanta, Georgia, and then she homeschooled her five children while living full-time aboard the sailboat Take-Two. Tanya has always had a bad case of wanderlust, taking countless road trips as a child, spending a semester abroad during college, and honeymooning in Central America. And in her free time, she plays the ukulele, paints landscapes, and kayaks. She wrote her first story at age six, but the book Leaving the Safe Harbor is her first published full-length work. And I am so fascinated by this, and I just can't wait to find out more. So welcome to the network, Tanya. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for having me. My, my pleasure. And we'll tell everyone right now you are coming to us directly from your boat. <laughs> I am. I am in the Florida Keys on my boat in my cozy cabin. <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, congratulations on the book win. That was exciting. Uh, it was exciting and completely unexpected. It is my first book. I have been cocooning for the last uh, 20 years since I retired from teaching and raised, started raising my children, uh, just working quietly behind the scenes on my blog, and never expected uh, to make such a big splash, uh, you know, at the get-go. Well, obviously, it's a fabulous lifestyle. So um, before you share the book and before we get into that, maybe just tell us what prompted you and your family to create this new lifestyle on a boat. Uh, my husband and I are high school sweethearts, and we grew up in coastal Florida. Uh, he grew up sailing. I did not, but uh, the water has always called to me. Uh, we had this crazy dream as teenagers of sailing off into the sunset, as many people dream. Uh, and, you know, promptly found ourselves living in suburbia, married with kids and a house with a white picket fence and essentially the American dream. It was a wonderful life. We were not unhappy, but we did feel a sense uh, that, that we were missing something. Uh, and we really were looking for something a little bit more adventurous and fulfilling. And so we decided to ditch it all. That's, of course, the short version of the story. But Eventually, we moved aboard uh, with our four kids and then later had a fifth while living aboard. And how long ago was this? Uh, let's see. We left the city in 2003, and we bought our boat in 2008 okay. and um, have been adventuring ever since then. Wow, how exciting. And you had your fifth child on the boat? Yes, that's correct. I did the whole pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum uh, infant on the boat. I've had the, the whole experience. Wow. How exciting. I, I'm, I'm just imagining that the folks that are listening are just thinking, oh, I, I want to do that. So maybe we'll talk about how they might be able to do that in a bit. But let's talk now about your boat, I, about your book rather. Um, I like the idea that you used nautical idioms such as all hands on deck, learning the ropes, as I recall, some of those titles of the chapters. Let's just Talk about why you decided to use those and maybe delve into some of the books so that we can entice our listeners. Well, I, I always knew that I wanted to write a book about our experiences, but I had already written a blog, you know, kept up with it for years and years, and I didn't want to merely rewrite the blog. 
I wanted to create something completely new. And I was just sort of casting about wondering what it would be, waiting for the right idea to land. And one day I found this beautiful list of 50 nautical idioms, and I uh, went through this list, and as each idiom came up, I realized that I had a life experience that almost perfectly matched that idiom. Uh, if you say, for example, close quarters, I am a person who knows what it's like to literally live in close quarters. Um, if you say batten down the hatches, that's something that we actually say on our boat when the rain is coming or when we're in rough seas. We literally dog the hatches and batten them down so that we don't have water leaking in. And so I began to really connect with those idioms, and I realized that each one pairs also with a life lesson. So even if you've never been on a boat, you might say batten down the hatches, and what you mean is that you're preparing for some kind of hardship. And so very quickly, the outline for the book sort of appeared almost, you know, as a whole. I realized that all of my sailing experiences could apply to real life and could teach people who had never been on a boat I guess sort of the literal side, but also uh, the figurative side of, of each of those idioms. Mm -hmm. So as you were writing this, were you writing this for you, or did you have readers or an audience in mind? Um, a writer writes. I don't think they can help it. I think I would have written this book even if I never intended to publish it. Uh, it just came out of me. I couldn't not write it. You would have had to tie my hands behind my back. So it. At the beginning, of course, a writer writes, you know, therapeutically for himself or for herself. Um, of course, in the end, as I began to, to where, it, where it became a book and not just a loose collection of essays that I wrote for myself, uh, I began to think about who I would want to read this book. And although other sailors might connect with my book, I think the people who really need the stories of the sea are the ones who have never ventured there. And the people who feel unfulfilled in their lives, they have a dream that they haven't pursued or something, you know, niggling desire at the back of their mind. Those are the people that might connect with my book in a, in a really powerful way because it might spur them to re-examine the dreams of their youth. So as you're sailing every day, I'm imagining that each day you're out, you're sailing. Are you heading toward a destination? It's a bit of a myth that if you live on a sailboat, you spend a lot of time sailing. The the fact is we spend very few days of the year actually sailing, but we spend most of our time anchored in really interesting places. So we spent three and a half years cruising in the Caribbean with our five kids between 2016 and 2019. And in that case, you might spend a week or two anchored in a place and then a day or two sailing. Um, it really just depends on the season of life. Sometimes we're stuck in port for a while. We're currently stuck in port helping our teenagers launch and have been, you know, in one location for a really long time. And then other times we, well, we used to anyway, take the boat out just for fun, just to go sailing. Mm -hmm. So it really depends. And we're long-time uh, liveaboards, and so the boat is our home. It happens to be a floating home. Right, right. Were you on it a full-time then during the pandemic? How did that play out for you? Well. We kind of joke as sailors that we've been doing social distancing <laughs> for a long time. It's not hard. We have our own little island. That said, uh, of course, it was a little bit lonely. We thrive in community. Human beings need community. And so uh, that part, I think, was hard. Um, we were fortunate in that 
though we had some family members who got COVID, they they did not end up hospitalized or dying. And so I can view it with a little bit of lightheartedness that I might not otherwise be able to view it. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, we live outdoors. And so there was a sense that we we did not feel as cooped up as some people might feel. Absolutely. A big, big, big advantage. It does affect our travel, of course. I mean, everything is changing and the rules are changing. And we knew we had friends all over the world who were stuck uh, in various ports and in some places couldn't even get off their boats. And we enjoy such a freedom in our lifestyle that we really feel it when those freedoms are taken away or when they're limited for a time. For sure. So in what ways do you think, did your family life improve or become better because of the fact that you were living on a boat? Well, my kids came back, my teenagers now, the the little kids that we brought aboard are now teenagers, and they had started college classes, and they had cars and jobs and friends. I think they felt the the pandemic, uh, the quarantine and closures, they felt it uh, sharply, acutely, I should say, because all of the fun things that they had just, you know, launched into were suddenly curtailed. On the other hand, we went back to homeschooling and doing all the things that we already knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, we were able to regroup and find comfort in the lifestyle that we were already familiar with. Mm-hmm. For example, homeschooling uh, was is a big shock to people. If you didn't choose to do it or if it's thrust upon you, it would be so much harder um, than if you had chosen that lifestyle. I'm assuming, though, outside of the pandemic, let's just say, just in general, life with your family in close quarters would, I would think, tend to make it be a closer-knit family. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we're just close in proximity, and there's a lot of conflict. Um, of course, we do feel like a tribe. We have you know, been out in the elements together, and we've gone through so much good and so much bad and uh, just so much life experience that we have shared and made so many memories that, of course, it equates to uh, emotional closeness as well as physical closeness. How do you think that's affected your children who are now going to college? Do you think they'll come back to this kind of a lifestyle or create a new lifestyle for themselves? Or do you think they'll kind of be reabsorbed back into a mainstream? What are they thinking? I think that it's very hard to come back to a normal life after you have lived an extraordinary life. I think a reintegrating is a very, very difficult. It's, di- it's been difficult for all of us. On the other hand, some of them were ready to jump ship. And so our oldest son has moved out and he's independent now. But I don't think that they will seek a normal life. I don't, I can't imagine any of them ever being happy inside a cubicle, for example. Uh, so the oldest one is, apply, uh, is pursuing his pilot's license. And um, he's a really interesting kid, and he wrote a novel while we were sailing, and so he may someday be a writer as well. Uh, for for a couple of the others, they really are looking to to try something new, and will probably not end up on the water. And then for our youngest two, who spent their whole lives afloat, I think it's hard for them to imagine a life mm-hmm. that's not on the water. <sighs> Only time will tell. The proof is in the pudding, and we're still cooking the pudding. <laughs> You are still living a fabulous life. I love that. What about the cover? How did that artwork come about? I love that story because actually I hated the cover. I have a a wonderful publisher, Ingenium Books, and a wonderful editor, um, Bonnie at Ingenium. 
And she kind of walked me through the whole process of publishing a book. And I had submitted some photographs, uh, my favorite photograph of the boat sailing past Montserrat in 2016, just a great photo that a friend took of us sailing. A gorgeous, beautiful blue day. I mean, my favorite photo. And I had submitted this and some descriptions of us and our family and what the book was about. And all of those things went into a cover design brief and went to a, a cover designer. And I fully expected her to send back some, you know, some options that included this photo. And when she sent back, you know, these three options to choose from, I didn't like any of them. So I slept on it and I, I slept with my discomfort and dislike for a couple of days. And as I studied these covers that she had come up with, more and more I was drawn to the, to the cover art that ended up being the cover. And if you look at it, it's five paper boats being set free on a tumultuous ocean and the two hands releasing them. And I realized that there was some beautiful symbolism there of the, the two of us, my husband and I, setting our children free in this wild world with those five little paper boats. And so between the beautiful colors that she chose and this lovely symbolic artwork, I ended up becoming very attached to that cover. And I find it very um, attractive and eye-opening. And the way that the words move across the cover make you read every word of that title. Mm-hmm. So I- I've grown to love the cover. <laughs> and Jessica Bell is a-, is a wonderful cover designer. Oh, that's so perfect when it ends out being just as you, well, either envisioned or didn't, but that you at least end out really loving it. Yeah, the whole process of publishing a book is is new for me. All of it is new. Um, some of it is difficult and heart-wrenching, and other parts of it are just a delightful surprise. And so I was able to let go, I guess, of my original conceptions, both of what I thought the book was really about mm-hmm. and also what I thought the cover should look like. I was able to let go of that so that my manuscript could become the book, the better book that it is. Right. right. So your writing process, were you finding that you were writing every day or, or how did that work for you? Uh, when we came back from cruising in 2019 and I had the book idea, I'd already made a, a good start. I had the whole outline and the, all the chapter titles ready to go. I found a writing buddy, um, and the two of us made a commitment to each other to meet weekly and to write a certain number of words per day. And so we spent a whole year really, really working hard. And she also um, finished her manuscript around the same time that I finished mine. And so it was a, a very successful experiment. And I think without that encouragement and support, I, I might not have finished. I have lots and lots of unfinished projects, um, but I'm very grateful for that that commitment. Oh, that's kind of neat to have somebody to spur you on and you her, I'm sure. For sure. Absolutely. It was great. Is there any part of the book that really speaks to you that is your favorite part or or a piece of the book that you feel really reaches out to the reader? I loved writing that book. I loved reliving all of those memories. Uh, of course, it's hard for me to pick uh, one story. I just, when you ask me which which part popped you know, was my favorite. A story does come to mind uh, that I kind of flipped through and, and read recently, and that was we were getting ready to leave for the Bahamas one year, and one of our kids swallowed the pop top of a soda can <laughs> right before we were getting ready to set sail. And it's a it's a great typical story for the book because, as usual, I have a little freak out. 
Um, and as usual, my husband calms me down and tells me not to plan the funeral yet, but that we'll think through this and figure it out. And we came up with an ingenious plan uh, to to make sure our son was was okay and passed the pop top before we had to leave. And we did not end up at Miami Children's Hospital, which had been my you know initial fear. I won't spoil the story, but it, it is typical in that it tells a funny family story reveal something about uh, about our characters and and also I think would be inspiring to other people because everyone has kids who not everyone has kids but those who have kids know that these things happen and then what do you do when you have a mishap and how do you learn to deal with things with patience and flexibility and the book is very much about learning to deal with the unexpected well laid plans that one has don't necessarily work out. So uh, pass the pop top, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We say all of our plans are written in low sand at wet, sorry, wet sand at low tide. At low tide. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're on the no plan plan much of the time. And and it's actually what comes to fruition is so so serendipitous and surprising and often so much better than the thing that we had planned. So we've learned to accept those mishaps and, and look for the gifts in them. I love that. Someone just told me the other day that time is a man-made constraint. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, here we are, you know, living by the clock and, and the plans that we have for almost every minute of the day. And I could just see the sand with, you know, your list written in it. And there there comes the water and washes it all away. Indeed, that that is certainly the life that we've lived, which is what makes it so hard to come back to a life with appointments and schedules and expectations. And I feel that I'm, I was never punctual before, and I'm certainly not any sure. more punctual now. <laughs> How healthy of a lifestyle is that just mentally and, and freeing, I would think? I feel like it's good for mind, body, and spirit. I mean, our ethic kind of reaches into every part of our life. We do things, you know, as simply as we can, which doesn't mean as easily as we can, but certainly cooking food from scratch and not rushing off to the doctor if we get sick, um, some self-reliance in, in almost every area, fixing things ourselves, uh, you know, doing boat repairs sometimes while we're underway, uh, homeschooling instead of relying on a system, you know, to raise our kids, all of those things they're hard, but they're very, very rewarding. So I would say that we have carved out a life that helps us pursue health, a healthy mind, a healthy body, a healthy spirit, and healthy relationships with each other. It is not perfect. I don't want to deceive you. It is it is very, very difficult, and it, we are not always successful, but I, we we do feel the rewards of, of that life. I would think so, and especially now, Tanya, during this time of society when things are really very stressful for people you know it might be the perfect time for people to actually consider breaking some of these ties and restraints that we do have and feel do you have any advice for others who dream of making a life change but just keep hanging on to the same old safe dock yeah leaving the safe harbor is it is scary it's scary if you're in a boat and you're heading out to sea and it's scary if you're in a safe life and, and you're thinking about doing something different. I think, I mean, I'm a praying person. So uh, the first thing that we do whenever we 
are contemplating, you know, a risky situation is we usually stop and, and ask, ask God, is this what you have for me? Is this, you know, is this the best path forward? And if the answer is yes, then we do it even if we're afraid. I think we let fear hold us back so often in our lives. Um, even just being in a safe place, even if it's a good safe place, it can still keep us back from, you know, the next adventure and from the, the wild and fulfilling life that, that maybe we dreamed of. And so a lot of what I communicate is faith over fear. And if you can't overcome your fear, then you just don't listen to it and you do it despite your fear. So I guess I would say to people to really reexamine what your life is about, what you what you wanted the most when you were a kid, and what examine your why. Why are you here? What is it all for? And then when you start to hear that answer and you also hear that voice of fear, you're going to have to put it in the back seat and not let it drive, I guess is what I would say, is that you're going to have to do some things that are scary to find that fulfilling life, but that it's so worth it. Thank you for that. I think that's going to be extremely inspiring. Well, my friend, I want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight today. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up you think it's important to share? Well, I guess what I would say is uh, the book is full of sailing stories and sea adventures, but I would most want people to know that the book isn't just for sailors, that for anybody, for any human being who's ever had a dream and has ever wanted to turn that dream into reality, our story can make that look possible. I guess I feel like if a, you know, a neurotic woman with five children and her husband can go out on the ocean with these kids and do the things that we've gotten to do, to have this amazing privileged life, that some of the other things that, that you want to do, wherever you are sitting or dream, whatever those things are that you're dreaming of, those things are possible. I guess that's the overarching message that I would want to want people to know that so much more is possible um, than we can than we can even dream of. What's next for you? What are you working on now? Any new books coming up? I I'm actually working on two books simultaneously. I have one that had been a partial manuscript for some time that I'm working on, uh, a bit of a prequel about my interesting childhood. Um, and then actually a, a book of meditations, of daily meditations. I'm a person that gets up in the morning and um, reads a devotional, and it sets the tone for my day. And uh, little by little, instead of reading these devotions, I've begun to write them. And so as the collection is building, I'm realizing this might actually turn into a book someday. So I'm exploring both of those avenues. Um, and then I'm totally open to doing public speaking or things like that, uh, just to inspire other people to live their life to the full. Go where the wind takes you, right? Go with the flow, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All righty. Well, why don't you, if you don't mind, share your contact information where folks can find out more about you, where they can purchase your book, wherever you want them to land. Wonderful. We have been blogging at www.take2sailing.com. That's T-A-K-E-T-W-O-S-A-I-L-I-N-G. Uh, since 2008, since the very beginning, if you want a little, a, lot, a little or a lot of that story, it's it can always be found there. The book is called Leaving the Safe Harbor, The Risks and Rewards of Raising a Family on a Boat, and it can be found at Amazon as well as 
anywhere books are sold. And of course, uh, as the rest of the world, I have joined the rest of the world on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram. Of the uh, link should be Take Two Sailing. And then I think on Pinterest is Tanya Take Two. Excellent. So everyone needs to get a copy of this book. It's just a fabulous book titled Leaving the Safe Harbor, The Risks and Rewards of Raising a Family on a Boat. Tanya Hackney, you are so inspirational. Thank you for sharing you, your book, your life, your family with us today. Well, thank you for giving me a place where I can share just a little piece of that story.